Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like... Gotcha, or maybe... Dragon Flame! How about... Tatsuo! Ganido! Or... In the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientist and engineer spent the next 10 years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember... Our Star Blazers! Or this... The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood pools all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Or this. Team, grappler ships dead ahead! It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it! Or... If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos. Or have you seen the latest episode of... And just like that, everything changed. At that terrible moment, in our hearts, we knew home was a pen. Humanity, cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at 2TrueFreaks.com and on iTunes under Two True Freaks Presents Anime Freaks. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. This looks like a job for Superman. Let's roll! Captain America! It's the Man! It's the Rocketeer! Gentlemen, you're up. <laughs> you know how, how natural hippie girls are. You know how those robots are. All right, let's get into this shit. All right. Everybody's tired. You want me to bring it in? You have the most energy, so you bring this <laughs> one. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> oh, and welcome to... Ham elk. Hello. <laughs> 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 
Jesus, you bastards. Come on, let's get it started. <laughs> Hello. Now you know what podcasting with you is like. Thank you. Good night. Sock it to me, baby. All right. Sock it to me? <laughs> Who said that? Nixon. That's right. I just worked a double shift. I'm full of piss and vinegar. In that order. <laughs> You're just full of shit. That's all. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday 67. <laughs> I am Chris. You made it! Hall, and I'm here with my jolly crew of energetic comic nerds. Mr. Scott Gardner. Hello. And Mr. Michael Bailey. Hello. How's the Christmas season treating you guys? It's wearing me the hell out. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yes. Oh, are you tired? <laughs> I am exhausted, dude. Exha- it's really not Christmas that did it, though. It's uh, it's a number of life factors. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 is your, how is your wife doing? She's doing. She's doing much better. Uh, much better. She uh, was enjoying the catered service here at the uh, Gardner Abode today. But uh, no, she is doing a lot better. I, is I she even is she even into eating yet? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's you know, it's like when you're home sick from school. You know, it's yeah. you know Campbell's chicken noodle soup and you know townhouse crackers. But you know, she's keeping it all down now and everything. So. Yes, uh, for people who don't follow Scott Gardner on Facebook, his his wife got a nice bout of food poisoning from from a restaurant. She actually made the evening news, and you know, in that way that you'd never want to make the evening right, news. Right. But yeah, it was uh, it was actually Did the number one her? news story in Central Florida um, last night, where uh, the office building that she works in, which employs you know not just her businesses there, but you know a, a lot of businesses are there. And they have, like, uh, they the employ over like 700 people. Well, it was a catered event for oh. the holidays that they do every single year. And this year, something went horribly wrong that they're still trying to track down. And uh, and yeah, um, like several dozen people. Oh. Uh, I mean, we're like rushed to, to local had hospitals. Food poisoning knows how awful it is. Yeah, it it's was just bad. Terrible. And see, my wife works, um, it, it's not a bank per se in the building, but she works for a major bank. And so when people start, you know, s- you know, suddenly just out of the blue start, you know, dropping like flies and they're vomiting and you know, all, all this other gross stuff's going on, you know, and you're thinking, okay, you know, there's, there's this, you know, banking institution in the building, you know, right away, you know, they started to think, is this some sort of attack or something? So, you know, it took on a whole new, it, you know, level with that. So it was the salmon moose. <laughs> I didn't eat the salmon. But, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're tracking it down and all that sort of thing. So, but you know, the good news is that uh, you know she's she's doing much better, and I haven't heard of it being worse than I guess a couple people you know ended up having like overnight stays in the hospital. But I mean, you know, nobody. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really depends on how dehydrated you get. Right. Um, yeah. With, with really... what if they send you home or not? So. Yeah. If you've got like some extenuating circumstances, or you're old. Or really like if you have diabetes, life. or if you have high right. blood pressure, right. or you've you know like any other kind of 
like, you know, extenuating circumstances yeah. like that. If you're a normal, healthy person, it's just a hellish slog through your body dumping everything and cramps right. and all the all that fun stuff. Yeah. I, I had it myself once um, years ago. I got some bad uh, crab legs at a Red Lobster, and I wouldn't wish that on the person I hated most because it's just awful. I mean, that's that's one of those few, those rare times in my life where I was absolutely convinced that's it, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Because it really feels like that, you know? Yeah. That. But, uh, thankfully, she she was, as bad as she was last night, she was not that bad. Because with that bout, I was, like, puking blood and all kinds of gross shit. You know, it was like, oh, my God, I'm literally going to die. But, when I was a kid, my dad got... Um, omelet pan for Christmas so then he was like I'm gonna make the family omelets and he made us all cheese omelets and it was just a big lineup for the bathroom for two days uh, undercooked <laughs> eggs it must have been and well we had I mean we had a chicken coop and oh well there you go there too <laughs> and the thing is like inside that inside of an egg that's sterile there's nothing nothing bad inside that egg that'll get you. It's stuff that sticks on is on the shell of the egg. So if you yeah. touch that shell of the egg and then you touch the egg and then you don't cook it enough, yeah. It was probably and it was chicken, so it was probably some sort of salmonella. Oh, salmonella's. Yeah, I, I, that that place will tear you up every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like their double clean-out burger. This is my favorite at Sam's. <laughs> Not so much Sam, it's more the Ella. What a <laughs> yeah. bitch. Did you guys ever play You Don't Know Jack? No. Yes. Uh, yeah, Logan just got the, the latest version of that for our Xbox. We were playing the hell out of it the other night. The, it, it's it's a great trivia game, Chris. You would love it. And they had, uh, like, basically when you got done with your game, you could sit there and listen to these fake commercials they made. And one of them, I may have it on my hard drive, and I'll send it to you. It was a, it was a ad for a place called Sam and Ella's, and it's freaking hilarious. So, uh, <laughs> no, those guys were funny, and it was hard ass trivia too. Oh my god, <laughs> I like that. That sounds like a great bar night. <laughs> Come on down to Thirsty's for hard ass trivia night. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> That's seriously a good idea. Somebody should steal that. Yeah, well, I work in retail, so the holidays are always crappy. <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm working at a restaurant, so we slow down on, on the really? season. Yeah. That's surprising. I figured <laughs> your business would pick up with people coming into town. and. Ah, there's a little bit of that. We're not really a sit-down restaurant. We're a... We're a like, you gotta stand up the whole goddamn time? It, Screw that. If when you're eating the the just the sheer amounts of pure animal fat that you are at our restaurant, <laughs> sometimes you sit down, you might not want to get up. You'd... I'll have the pure animal fat on a steak bun, please. It's yeah. well, you know, it's all different varieties of, but you know, every I I have to go across the street to Wendy's. Do you have any fat-free pure animal fat? <laughs> I'll take a double pure animal fat, a large fry, and a small diet cola, let's, please. Let's just say over our grill, you know, got a, every, like... every time somebody makes that joke, I remember when I was a little kid, I had to be around like seven or eight, 
we were visiting my aunt Jenny, and her uh, her husband Kevin went out to get everybody food. You got like me, my three sisters, my parents, Jenny, and Kevin. So he orders like twelve cheeseburgers from Burger King, right? <laughs> and he goes, I want 12 cheeseburgers and a Diet Coke. And they wouldn't serve him because they thought he was messing with them. I, you see, that? I mean, the whole Diet Coke thing, that's a joke. But I always figured it was a joke because it was just a real order. All that, that people, I mean, people are that stupid, aren't they? Don't you guys think? I, I, I'm... <laughs> Dude, I you're talking to two people I who... that humanity is gone. <laughs> yeah. It is like, it's like I, I, I walk around work sometimes going, you know, Rachel Ghoul's got a point, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I stay away from that question of, do you think people are stupid? Because I have hard evidence, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Pictures, graphs. <laughs> Flow chart. <laughs> here's how. Here's <laughs> trickle flow down chart stu- of stupidity. <laughs> trickle down stupid. <laughs> that should be the name of our first book. <laughs> Read by Ben Stein. Chris and I decided since we talked all that time on the phone anyone anyone we should make a podcast <laughs> oh we're already off the rails well yes. I don't really I mean my, my the sum total of my comic book talk is one the mid-season finale of The Flash was awesome because I got live-action reverse Flash uh, and it was pretty damn sweet and I had ordered from uh, mycomicshop.com through eBay uh, some previews uh, not magazine, it's a catalog really (laughs) I don't know what to call that most of the time but uh, Jeffrey and I are getting ready to do Zero Hour over one of my other shows so I was like I was wondering if I could find like the previews from when that stuff came out because I know Scott has the one for Zero Month or at least the cover Mm -hmm. and I like to get those things cut the spine off and scan the crap out of anything that's kind of relevant and when I was going through this stuff it's just like that Zero Hour issue of previews was like packed to the gills full of like promotional material for that. DC's marketing department went into freaking overtime for that. And it got me to thinking about other promotional items and I found that the one thing I don't need to get into, you know, outside of Scott getting me into collecting promotional posters mm-hmm. more than that's really healthy because I don't have that much wall space in my house and yet I have all these posters, is looking for, like, what retailers got as kits for big, you know, big, huge things, like Zero Hour, or... (laughs) I found one online. Dude wanted 30 bucks for it, plus shipping, uh, plus $10 shipping, and I wasn't going to pay $40 for anything to do with Bloodlines. But... (laughs) But I'm kind of fascinated. You should be by paying that. you. Don't you guys <laughs> wish you could get a hold of one of those displays, like from the old um, 
Well, they probably still have them like in Spencer's and you know the poster displays where you can just flip through. Yeah. A hundred oh, posters. Great. Hmm. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I would love to have one of those. That's the I, only I way I can display the, my stuff. I have a bunch of the metal frames that you would snap into one of those things to be able to turn it but like not that. The wall mount in the. Yeah, I don't have the mount, but I have. I still have the frames because uh, one of my aunts used to work in. It was some place in Salmon Run Mall there in Watertown mm-hmm. that went out of business. And she gave them all to me, and to this day I still have them because that's how I keep uh, a bunch of my old comic posters all flat. Instead of having them rolled up and stuffed in a closet somewhere, I have them displayed in that thing. Or not displayed, but, you know, I have them flattened in that, and it's, I don't know, out in the garage or something. But, uh, yeah, I got a bunch of those things. They weigh a friggin' ton. Uh, it, It just really got me to thinking about the sheer amount of, you know, when comic specialty shops really started picking up, the sheer amount of stuff that was sent to them to promote various projects. And I'm not talking just the posters, which are kind of works of art in and of themselves a lot of the time, especially the one from the 80s that was, you know, like this, that, that mid 80s period, for whatever reason. I mean, you had those beautiful Legion of Superhero ones. Uh, you had, <clears throat> there's a really cool one for the question. Uh, that I've had my eye on. I just, again, I can't justify spending money on something I'm never really going to hang up. But just as as the 90s ramped up, the the, the displays and the mobiles and, and just, just the amount of money that was spent on just, you know, like, hey, buy our stuff that is now either sitting in a warehouse somewhere or was thrown away as, like, you know, just discarded after it was done. And I like that kind of stuff. I really do. I like seeing on eBay the you know uh, you know buying the little cardboard uh, container that you, that they would put on the sh- on the uh, front counter. I love with that the stuff. Return of yeah. Superman stuff you know attached to it. I mean that's just that's something I would love to put on a shelf and put some comics in and just kind of display it like it was meant to be displayed. That was sort so, of how Scott's room was when we were in high school. Yeah. Just a, a, a collection of displays that, w- that we would uh, harvest from the back of uh, Ames, the Ames department store. Yeah, and then when I started working at the mall, yeah, um, I had a bunch of book dumps. That um, what the hell was that bookstore that was across from? I, guess, I think it was a Walden Books because I was it had a Walden a, or was it a B Dalton? It no, it was not a B. Pretty sure it was a Walden Books. Yeah, because uh, we we never had a B. Dalton that I can remember. So I think it was a Walden Books, and I got to be friends with the managers there. And so I had uh, there was that one Batman. Remember those anthology, those DC anthology books that came out for a while there, Mike? You know, they, they the were gr- pros. It was like Further Adventures of oh, Batman. Oh, yeah, Further Adventures and... of Batman, Further Adventures of the Joker. Those are some yeah. great freaking collections. Yeah, I have the, I have, somewhere I still have the header, but I used to have the entire dump bin for one of the Batman volumes. I don't think it, it was whichever one he was getting attacked by birds under the direction of the penguin. I don't think that's the first one. I think it's the second one. But I had that one. I had a dump for um, the uh, Death and Life of Superman by Roger Stern. I had a standee for that, too, that I don't know what the hell ever happened to it. When my parents brought me all my shit from New York, that was mysteriously missing out of the out of the stuff that they brought down. I don't know whatever became of it, but I, I had a bunch of shit like that. 
But the only problem with that stuff is, you know, of course, like you say, it just it takes up space. It's like, what do you do with it? You know, so if you move, you know, even half as many times as I've moved in my life after a while, you just, you know, you just sort of like, oh, God, I just, you know, I love this, but I can't just keep bringing this thing around. It takes too much space on a truck or whatever. And you just end up, you know, leaving it behind or giving it away or worse yet, throwing it away, which just breaks my heart. I've given I've thrown away so much awesome shit that I had collected over the years working, you know, different retail places that I, I wish I still had it, but you know, you just, you gotta save space somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's weird what you'll grab. I remember right around the time Superman Returns came out I was working at Home Depot at the time. I was actually near the end of my tenure there. And Energize, uh, Duracell had like a huge Superman Returns promotion so mm-hmm. I still have signage from that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and just just because I thought you know this is cool I'll hang it up somewhere at some point it might look good but it's just for me though I, I really started thinking about why I like these things why I like the promotional posters why I like I have in the comic uh, the guy that owned the comic shop I went to before I moved to Georgia get when they put out the zero hour kit to retailers included was a VHS tape. That was this, like, 15... It's on YouTube. Uh, somebody finally posted it on YouTube. Uh, it was a little 15-minute thing, and it's kind of cheesy because they have it like, this is Parallax watching the creators. But you have, like, interviews with every editor at D, at the main... You know, who worked on the mainstream DC books at the time, kind of telling you what's coming up in Zero Month. And he's just like, hey, you, th- you, you look like you'd be interested in this, and he just handed it to me. And I've had it for years, and I just love the thing. And I realized that the main reason I like all this stuff is that it's kind of... It's kind of like the Indiana Jones in me that wants to dig up the archaeology of my collecting life. Because, right. it's you know, the, there's the comics, which I can read, and, you know, I like having individual issues, I like having trade paperbacks, I like having original print trade paperbacks and the newer versions to see the differences and such. But it's just like this, it, it's like a tangible thing in my hand of not only, you know, the, the, the story, but the era that it was presented in and how it's interesting to see the evolution of how they, you know, the posters and the different things they did. You know, right now, if I really wanted to, I could like have like a history of the post-crisis Superman in my room in nothing but poster form. Just because between Alan Leach Jr. and eBay, I've managed <laughs> to acquire a bunch of this stuff pretty cheap, too. I mean, I got that eight-foot Worlds Collide poster for like five bucks plus shipping. Oh, you lucky bastard. And I it was still just, want a copy of that so bad. And it was just, I was just like, are you kidding me? I thought I was going to have to pay for And, you know, the only thing that I'm ever going to have to pay serious money for, and Scott feels my pain on this, is that Supergirl promotional poster. And it's funny you say, yeah, I was just thinking, I was searching for that thing again the other day <laughs> and you found it and it was what 60 bucks no i i didn't find it actually oh, there, there's that's... one that is perpetually listed on ebay that's i want to say 60 is actually cheap for what he's charging but yeah there's one that's it's expensive as hell that one's like always up there because it's it's one of the it's not an auction it's just like placed he's... there in a store yeah he's just sitting there <laughs> but, waiting for the right yeah. person to buy it I want it so bad, but I, if I'm honest with myself, it's not that I think it's a great poster. I mean, it's okay. It's not bad or anything, but it's just to be a completist. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Because I it's that think John I Byrne have Supergirl. Yeah, I think I have everything else that Byrne did, or at least, um, at least to a time. You know what I mean? In, in his prime, when I was collecting Byrne, I think I've got every poster he ever did, whether it was commercial or promo, except that one. And it just pisses me off that it slipped through my fingers because I had a chance to get it when it was new and and just didn't nab it. And now, of course, that's that's like. I think that's the Holy Grail one. Either it's either that one, or it's the Superman one where he's smashing through the steel wall. But I have that one. But I know yeah, both I, of those price pretty high. I managed to track that one down for about ten. Really? Pretty. Yeah. I was. I, it was like one of those things where the guy had it up. No one was bidding on it. Five minutes was left in the auction, and I figured, what the hell? And it just worked out deal. that way. Yeah, yeah. No, I was. I was very happy to get that trust me <laughs> so but no that's that's pretty much you know because you know with the holidays coming up i haven't really been buying too many new comics or anything like that you know the 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 previews were kind of uh i kind of bought it to have it but i also kind of bought it because i'm going to be using it elsewhere so what do you guys got i got Go ahead, some chris i got some free shit <laughs> i got some swag from professor alan middleton and uh, one we- weird little item. It's like a little card game from episode one of like Qui-Gon versus um, Darth Maul, which is neat. Something I don't have adding to my it only adds to my Star Trek Star Star Trek Star Wars power. But he sent me six issues of Harlan Ellison's Dream Corridor. Ooh. Five, just the first five issues, and then the uh, double size special issue. And uh, it has a little um, post-it note on it saying, I think you said you may have these Ellison books, but for a quarter each, I couldn't resist the temptation. Enjoy, Professor Allen. Well, it turns out I don't have any of these comics. So, yeah, this is great. And what's even cooler is, is four out of the six actually have... A clearance sticker on him that says 25 cents which just proves that professor alan middleton is not full of shit <laughs> well i don't know if i'd go with that far, but <laughs> at least on the nice fact guy. that he's spending 25 cents on comic books <laughs> these are definitely from a 25 cent bin so these are great they're just all all harlan ellison stories obviously by different authors um they're it's a dark horse series i don't know this might be the whole run of it i don't remember it being actually very popular especially if he's picking it up in the 25 cent bin as i open it up it shows harlan ellison in like a pair of uh um like pete hesh nut hugger bathing suit doing flips through a, a ring like introducing the story so maybe that was why it wasn't very popular but I'm really looking forward to reading this. This has some great stories in it. You know, that I, I, I think I've pretty much probably read all these stories like in books, but it's going to be cool to see them, see them illustrated out. Well, the thing with bins like that is that, you know, people will often mistake popularity for quality. You know, right. uh, the things that are in there are generally because they're, they're just not the hot thing right now, but it has no, generally does not have very much, ref- I won't say it has no reflection, it has very little reflection on the quality of the book, because uh, 
uh, you know, speaking of Professor Allen, I, I was just a guest on his show. Um, the episode hasn't aired yet. I'm not sure when it does air. It may be up by the time this episode is up. I'm not sure. But uh, he had me on the show, and it was awesome. And we were just, you know, shooting the breeze about, you know, old comics and stuff. And uh, and that was one of the things we were talking about toward the end of the show was that uh, that thing where, you know, you find some great back issue in there that you already have in your own collection, and you have that that temptation to ask you know to act like you're like you're rescuing a homeless puppy or something you know? <laughs> yeah. like, like I, I i can't leave it there you right. know I, I, it's a good it's know? a good comic exactly it's a perfectly good book why why is it homeless you know <laughs> so I, that actually happens to me with well, i have a feeling that's how i ended lately. up with these you know right <laughs> I can't tell you the number of times here lately that, uh, that that's been happening to me, and it's like I can't keep doing this. I can't keep Bringing playing puppy rescuer to yeah, the, the stray rescuer to the comic books. You know, kind of makes you want to uh, do like a Sarah McLaughlin, you know, arm of an angel oh with God. like with like torn comics and like <laughs> rolled up comics and ones with like broken spines and. <laughs> Oh, it makes me want to set up an adoption center. That's what it makes me want to do. <laughs> they have that. It's called eBay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, let's see. What have I got? Oh, here you go. I, I, I'll give you. A, I'll give you a nice little, nice little story that may or may not warm the cockles of your cold, dead heart. I don't know. We'll see. So. Um, you know, at work at uh, you know at the resort that I work at, um, you know, it's a celebration of popular culture from from 1950 to the end of, of the 20th century, right? And we have these window boxes, these shadow boxes in the lobby that are all these pop culture icons. And as I'm want to do, I've, I've been I think I've talked about this. I'm not sure if I've talked about it on this show, but I know I've talked about it on like Back to the Bins and stuff. But um, I'm I'm actively making a, a list and trying to check it off, you know, in my own twice. collection. I, that's exactly what I thought he was going to say. <laughs> that is <laughs> not what I meant to say. But I, you know, I, I've been making this list of the comics that are represented somewhere uh, on display at Walt Disney World, and you know, some of them are, are plain, you know, in plain sight, like in these shadow boxes, and then other ones are, are, you know, a little more obscure, you know, depending on where you go on the property. So, um, it was it was kind of slow recently uh, at the resort one day, and uh, and one of my leaders was out in the lobby. Her name's Tara. And we were just kind of shooting the breeze about the shadow boxes and, you know, for whatever reason, just kind of pointing to different things and like talking about our favorite ones and all that. And somehow or other, the, the conversation led to uh, me telling her about this, you know, that, that you know, I was, uh, you know, really into trying to collect these different books that were on display and everything. And that I had recently acquired one that was in the shadow box, like right where she was standing. And she was just... For, for whatever reason, rather than think, wow, that's super nerdy, right? She was like, that's really cool. You know, you should bring that to work. You know, you bring that to work and, and I'll get your picture. And I was like, all right, well, that sounds cool. So I did that uh, recently. So if you uh, if you follow me on Facebook uh, and go through uh, my recent pictures that I posted, there's a, a picture of me that I posted up there 
um, you know, in my costume at work. And uh, now the funny thing is, I have absolutely like no affinity for the subject matter of what this comic was. It's just that it's displayed there and I'm wanting to collect these comics that are displayed there. So I was at my LCS just a couple weeks ago. Well, you'll have... And they had a... What's I was going to say, you'll have a one-of-a-kind collection, but you won't. You'll have a... It'll only be a two-of-a-kind collection. <laughs> two-of-a-kind, yeah. But you'll probably be the only other one that has that collection. I would love to find out if anybody else does anything, you know, like super geeky like that, you know, just to be a completist. But it, it's been fun. I mean, I have no idea what percent, you know, complete I am at this point because I'm kind of just starting. And some of the books are proving kind of hard to find, you know, at a decent price. But I was at my uh, my LCS, oh, this was a couple weeks ago, and they were having one of those nice little, like, uh, weekend sales. And they had this, I think it was just a short box of, like, old kitty comics on the floor. And it was, you know, like, Harvey's and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm not usually interested in that stuff. But when I, you know, just through the nature of doing both this show and especially Back to the Bins, I've become much more interested in things that are out of my wheelhouse you know just like strange comics on the cheap just you know just to have some more fodder for these shows so i'm digging through this box of kitty comics and sure enough i come across you know this one comic that i've been watching on ebay trying to find on the cheap just because it is one of the comics that's displayed there at work and uh it's a copy of my favorite martian i forget what issue number this is let me see i'll pop this sucker open and tell you what issue it is this comic's actually older than we are, which I thought was a trip. But like I said, I have no affinity. I don't even think I've ever even watched My Favorite Martian. I mean, I'm aware of oh what it is. Oh, my God. It, you know? I mean, it's great because it's... I can't remember the actor's name. That Ray Walston. Ray Walston. I mean, he's just got this great sort of angry... It's like a simmering anger deadpan right. kind of thing. and it, So it's just fun to watch, you know? Right. Look, I don't want to. I don't want anything involving Bill Bixby where he doesn't turn into the Hulk. So. <laughs> it's got Bill Bixby too. I'm just. Yeah, I'm just it's, saying it's... that right now. That's. I when I was a kid, I'd watch, you know, my favorite Martian on like you know like cable and be like, okay, when's he gonna great. punch this guy? Well, when when is some guy gonna beat him up, throw him in an alley, so I can see shit get torn up? I mean, dude, I would have loved the courtship of Eddie's father if he turned into the Hulk at the end of every episode to resolve the <laughs> thing. That would have been friggin' awesome. <laughs> well, how is Eddie gonna learn how to play baseball? Well, apparently, he's not because the Hulk just tore up the baseball field. <laughs> the Hulk damn, just threw that. the baseball. Through his chest cavity, we don't know what to do. <laughs> but anyway, that was my that was my little comicy thing of of late. Um, beyond that, I have I got nothing. I haven't uh, I haven't had time with the Christmas season or anything to go uh, to go back issue hunting. He's just putting a crimp in our styles, dude. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I did get some really good stuff recently. Um, you know. Through going, you know, to back up to that LCS because uh, you know they've they've had some really good stuff in the dollar bins up there recently. Some guy has been coming in there and just dumping his old comics, and it's like every couple of months or so he comes in and he dumps like uh, like a short box full of old books, and they're taking these books and putting them straight into the dollar bin, and I suspect it's because. They stink of cigarette smoke, like really bad. And 
uh, beyond that, generally speaking, not every single one of them is like pristine great shape, but generally speaking, they're in really good shape. So, I mean, they could easily get more money than a dollar for these books. But oh God, those see, they probably remind you of like Walt's place because yeah, because he would just chain smoke in there with right. all those comics. Well, these are even stronger than that because ah. uh, the, the first the first lot of them that I got, it was like. Yeah, you know, I bought them thinking, you know, what the hell is going on with these? And then I got them home, and as soon as I popped them out of the bag, it's like my eyes were watering. I'm like, oh my god, these that's stink why so bad. Yeah, that's why you see on eBay, oh. comes from a smoke-free yeah. home. <laughs> but, you know, I, I can deal with that. You know, I've, I've looked up several different places online, you know, how to get stink out of can old you magazines do that? and stuff. And, um, you know, what's funny is uh, I, I haven't... What I did was uh, the very first one that I got was uh, I got a Marvel team-up, number one, for a buck. And I couldn't believe my luck when I found this damn thing because I'm, I'm like... At that time, I was about five issues away from a complete collection of Marvel team-up. Now I think I'm like three issues away. And number one was one of the ones I needed all these years. And, I, you know, I, here I've been hunting it and, and debating buying it on, on eBay for like, you know, 10 or 20 bucks. And here I find it for a dollar, you know? So I thought, there's got to be something wrong with it. But shit, you know, the cover was complete and, and everything. I never took it out of the bag, which I guess was kind of stupid. But I just figured, yeah, it's the comic shop. You know, how bad could it be? So I got it home. And there's nothing wrong with it except that it just friggin' reeked, you know? I mean, like, eye-watering cigarette smoke in this thing. So, according to some things I was looking at, if you take uh, a magazine like that, and uh, and you put it, um, like, like basically seal it up in a bag with dryer sheets, like those scented dryer sheets, mm -hmm. it'll suck the, the smell out of it. So, God, this was... It's probably a month or two ago that I got that book, and I did that right away. And <laughs> did it work? In the room somewhere, I have to find it. I to was see gonna if say, be careful works, with those but... dryer sheets, though, because they're kind of have a little oily texture to them. I be oh no, it's not touching the book. Though. Oh okay, yeah. Because what I did was I I put it, I sealed it in a bag with uh, with two. Um, I'm starting to pan backer here. boards. <laughs> What's that? I, I was starting to get like worried here. <laughs> oh no, no, I, I wouldn't put it in proximity because I didn't know what it if it actually touched the book. I didn't yeah. know what it might do to it, but uh, supposedly that'll do the trick. So I'm I'm gonna try that. Plus, uh, something I was reading said that uh, if you just basically put it um, unbagged, like just put it in with Maybe a bunch of other things, it'll kind of. It's almost yes. like it equally distributes the stink among everything to where it just, you know, the, the parts per million or whatever will be so low by that point that you don't smell it anymore. I don't know if that shit's true at all, but I mean, I've got a stack of them now and they're in the same room I'm in and I don't smell anything. So something's working. I don't know. Now, my, my comic this shop is part of an estate or something. And grandpa was just a chain smoker, you know, like a yeah, situation where someone was just sitting in a room. I mean. He must have been like right on top of them, just like breathing on them. Now I was gonna say my comic shop is constantly getting collections like that, and not not the cigarette smoke, but the the one he was showing me the last time I was in there is somebody they basically put all their comics in like totes and just put them in uh, the garage, right? And and so they were kind of all water damage, not water damage, but a little wart. 
uh, from the humidity because <laughs> it gets humid in Georgia. So it's just like you have Green Lantern, Green Arrow number 76, and it's kind of bent up a little it's bit. just a little uh, baby, huh? <laughs> and, and you can still get some good money for that. And, and he usually takes those. Apparently, he's got a place that'll flatten stuff out. Like, it's got a press that doesn't damage the book and somehow flattens it out more. And he'll put it in the $3 bin. But the stuff he gets in, it's like a treasure trove every single time. The most recent batch had an entire run of the Ohatmu trade paperbacks from the 80s. The all-color ones. There was like right. seven volumes of it. Wow. And I've always seen like one or two or maybe three of them, but he like the whole set's just sitting up there for like 10, 15 bucks a pop. I just wow. don't have $70 to drop on something like that right now. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, because... Uh, well, that's... The, a I was up there recently, and, uh, you know, as I was checking out, I was kind of, you know, politely chiding the, the guy that's... There's one guy that's almost always working the counter whenever I stop at the place. It's almost always him whenever I would go. So we've gotten to know each other pretty well, and as I'm checking out, I was just, you know, just kind of playfully chiding him, like, dude, why, why don't you ever call me when this guy dumps this shit off? I said, you know, I'm interested in it, so, you know, next time he comes in, you know, give me a call. You know, you got my number, right, and all that. And uh, not really expecting that he would or anything, but damned if he didn't. The next time the guy came in and dropped off a bunch of books, he actually did call me, and he left a message, you know, on my phone and everything, so... First chance I had, I went Copy up there. Good businessman. Yeah, and and I go up there, and it's like another short box full of stuff. And I'm like, damn, you know, I was so broke at the time, so it became one of these like I had to like super cherry pick like the the cream of the crop. But damn, I would have bought the entire box if I could have. I mean, it was it was all great Silver Age books, but uh, I, I don't have the list here in front of me. But I, you know, I mean, I ended up getting uh, a whole bunch of. Uh, Tales of Suspense with with Cap and Iron Man, like early issues of that shit for a dollar a piece. I was like, man, I mean, I, I just I can't believe that they're selling them that cheap just because they stink. You know, I mean, I, the stink don't bother me. I I'd, I'd rather have the book. You know, I'll I'll deal with the smell. I can work on getting that out. I like the idea of flattening them though. I'd never never thought of that. I I've I've had stuff that's gotten better just by being in a nice packed full long box you know and just the pressure of everything else has kind of improved it over age. right what I've yeah, generally I, I've found had, I've oh, had that ahead. happen too where, where something was kind of bent up or a little bit and uh -huh. I just I just, and you're not supposed to do it I know that I know you're not supposed to pack a, a short box or a long box so tight that you can't pull the books out because god help you if one of them got crumpled up under another one i mean that 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 book's oh, practically yeah. practically yeah. i mean it's that it's that you know like you know suddenly you're hearing carmina Burana as you're <laughs> as you're like opening your boxes and there's just like uh the the, the torture of all that kind of stuff but yeah it's, it's i asked him about that i go can can you do that and he, he you know just like what you were talking about chris and apparently that's just a time factor more than anything else so for short term turning a book over you know, he doesn't want to keep a book for a year. Right. You know, to flatten it out, basically, so he can get right. a couple extra bucks out of it. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because it sounds like Florida 
or at least the shop that, that Scott goes to, is kind of going under the economic model that most of the shops and, and dealers in this area subscribe to, which is buy a collection for cheap, sell it for cheap, but still make a pretty decent profit off of it. Right. Because if you're buying it a quarter, a nickel, a dime, a book, and selling it for three bucks, I mean, that, that's a huge profit margin right there. You know what I was just thinking? You know how... um. Well, Michael, you've you've lived on both sides of the Mason-Dixon line. Yes. And there's a sort of general rule of thumb that that cars last longer down south because you don't get the winter where people put salt on the road and it eats them up. And I was just thinking, like, actually, where I am and where you guys are, you guys are, like, in humid swamp territory. And I'm in, you know, swampy swampiness and every kind of climate but in humidity and hotness and coldness but i wonder if like if you headed towards arizona if into arizona or desert areas where it's just sort of a general dry you know arid climate whether you know you might find more comics in better shape there uh you know that's actually a really good point because it's like you know if it works for cars, why not comics, right? In, in the care of and feeding of comics, which is something I think we've talked about doing, <laughs> you know, for decades now. Yes, we point. do we need to do that. We really um, do. But in one of those things, you know, the one of the big things you always read about from the moment I first started learning about collecting comics is you want to keep it in a cool, dry place. Yep. Which is why <laughs> it's kind of funny. I think the comics I have from my teenage years... Uh, are in such good condition because I was constantly getting in trouble for bad grades because I was a lazy bastard. And my punishment was, and this was always like in the wintertime, so what would my dad do? He would stick my comics in the attic. Oh, perfect. Yeah, where it was cool, dark, and dry. It sucked (laughs) then, but in in the course of time, you won that battle. Well, well, here's, here's the catch to that. One, I always kept a couple under the bed. And two... The attic, the, the way to get to the attic was in the stairs in my closet. Oh, oh. So it's just like, no one's home. It's kind of light up Time there right now. Time for to go in the closet. <laughs> that thing scared the hell out of me when I was a little kid. Not enough to keep you away from the comics, though. No, 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 not at all. Not at all, but it was, but yeah, I, I think they're... It really depends. I mean, if you go out to the desert, yeah, it's dry, but it's also really hot. Yeah. So you really, you'll have to keep it cool. So how do you do that? Do you like dig a dig a bunker? I mean, keep, uh, keep them in the basement or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that air conditioning is is commonplace as it is down there. Yeah. So there's that. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's always. It's always nice and dry. There must we gotta find out what the perfect climate is for comics, and then find out what place in the world has that, and just storm that place for comics. And then, and, or, or or what? Build, build finally build the Demonzo Core bunker. Like the 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 at, we'll have to test the atmosphere to see how what the acidity of the atmosphere is and all that. And I want to know how close it is to a nuclear power plant because if the zombie apocalypse hits. You know, no one's going to be maintaining that. That's true. And well, that's going to be really ugly. 
Well, we'll have to go there, um, Burgess Meredith style. <laughs> there was time. Time at last. Action Comics number one, mint condition, yeah. and I can't see it. Is it is it me or is like the, the main theme of Twilight Zone is don't marry a bitch? <laughs> that's like that's about fifty percent of the episodes. Yep. <laughs> Don't be a total like, milk, milk toast and marry a, and marry an evil woman. Like every but time they always do. Episode, like 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 every time we watch an episode, my wife will get so mad at the women on that show. <laughs> it's a different time, different time. Speaking of different times, boy oh boy, I'm I'm looking forward to the next segment. Run with it, man. Run with it. I think that I kicked asses took names on on this one how did you guys do on uh on uh and of course i am talking about the ever popular freaky five christmas edition once i finally understood what you said i i I, I had a better time with it well this was scott's scott came up with it and then he had trouble with it Yep, I choked and died on this one. I really did. I jumped on it. I was like a hobo on a ham sandwich, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I'm I'm curious what you brought to the table. Well, this one, let me see if I get the wording right of of what you said. It was a top five fake Christmas comics? Yes. Ah, my speciality. I have more than... My problem with this was... I had one great idea, and I thought one great idea makes a great segment, you know? And then once I had that one great one, I'm like, shit, I got nothing else whatsoever. 20% there. Well, (laughs) since I'm so proud of this, I'm actually actually pulling up. I was taunting, um, for those of you who want to know behind the scenes, I was was taunting Michael and, and Scott last night by throwing out, just throwing out a whole bunch of these. So I'll give you my top five, and then I'll rifle off a few other yes. winners. All right. Top five fake Christmas stories. Number five. The Dark Knight Returns, a crappy tie from Alfred. All right? <laughs> Number four. Christmas in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> Talk about a sad Christmas tree. All right, number three. Kool-Aid man's cool as oh, yeah. Christmas. Oh yeah. Cool as Christmas. All right. We, this one's oh, a yeah. giant size 88 page uh, spectacular. Little Lulu's Kwanzaa capers. <laughs> and number one. I'm, I was so proud of this Would one. Would that be an adult comic, by the way? I hope so. <laughs> And number one, <laughs> X-Men, 12 Days of Christmas Future Past. <laughs> All right. And now for the <laughs> now for my uh, runners-up. Let's see. Uh, it's a giant-sized man-thing Christmas. Mother Teresa versus Father Christmas. Here's a, oh, here's a good one. Not brand X mess. Uh, Secret Santa Wars. Uh, (laughs) I like I like that one Captain America's Hitler smashing Yuletide special that should be a TV show (laughs) 
Chris Kringle, Warlord of Mars. And that I don't remember the name of it, but it was a flashback story where Jor-El celebrates Crip Mess. Oh. Um, that sounds like something that actually would have happened in the Silver Age, too. Uh, Latveria's Christmas Miracle. Uh, the Gift of the Hawkeye. <laughs> and the last one, It's a Wonderful Life Eld. I like that one, too. So there was my, that was about my freaky 10 or so. Okay. <laughs> Eagerly awaiting you guys, your response. All right. Number five, The Nightmare Before Elm Street, uh, uh, Before Christmas. Ooh. <laughs> Just thought, you know, Marvel had The Nightmare on Elm Street uh, license at one point, and now they're owned by Disney, so it kind of sells itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Captain Marvel Christmas Carol, where the three Marvels mess with Dr. Savannah. Uh, and make him think he's seeing ghosts. Uh, Aquaman's Festival of Lights, <laughs> and, and this is based. This is based on. I, I forget if it was. I think it was the Justice League of America Christmas issue, like the Man Who Murdered Santa Claus. Uh, classic story. Love it. It's where <laughs> Red Tornado got his dumbass pants. That's a um, real story. Yeah, yeah. The Man Who Murdered Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> And they're like, well, where's everybody else? And it's just like, you know, Aquaman's in Atlantis celebrating their Festival of Lights. So I figured, why not do a story where you actually see the Festival of Lights? Which would be probably the most boring Aquaman story. And I like Aquaman, so <laughs> don't don't think I'm just sitting there trying to take a shot at him. Otherwise, well, it'd be Rob like reading Kelly's a comic kick- about a fireworks display or something. <clears throat> Uh, Red Tornado's Whirlwind <laughs> Christmas Special. <laughs> and my personal favorite, Colossal Boy's Hanukkah Adventure. Ooh! <laughs> with, a, with a seven-foot dreidel. Exactly. <laughs> because... Dreidel, 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 you destroyed the entire town. Legion. Legion, little, little bit of Legion of Superheroes history. Colossal Boy was the first Jewish member. Mm-hmm. So he was circumcised. But I'm bum. Jewish member, <laughs> did it? Remember, it was a dick joke. Sorry. <laughs> no, we got it. It just wasn't all that funny. Oh. <laughs> oh. Well. That's for the other night when we I'm trying to sleep, Jewish and you're blowing my stuff. fucking phone up with your ideas. <laughs> I'm sitting there, ah, just about to sleep. Ding! Look over. God damn it, Chris. <laughs> hey, I got another one. I want to run up the flagpole. What do you think? <laughs> you know, it's funny that when you, when I do get messages from you, you know, like in the group thing, I do hear Murray Claw. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great if you could. But that's, get it to but go, that's hey! my five. I mean, it's obviously not as epic as Chris's, but I think I did okay for myself. Yep. That was that was not bad at all, especially the way you guys were talking last night, because you were talking like you it was just gonna be a a wash. But we still haven't heard scouts yet, so this could be I, the greatest of all. No, I got, got one, one winner right though at least. I got one. My mine spins. I like to think it's a winner though. It spins <laughs> out of a of an idea, and I think it was Mike and I that were talking about this of. Uh, 
You remember the uh, the old limited collector's editions that DC used to put out, those big oversized books, you know, and they'd put out uh-huh. Christmas with the, with the superheroes every year. Well, the ones that, you know, when I got to be an adult and, and started seeing, you know, lists of these things on the Internet and all, the, the ones that would surprise, well, come to think of it, I think there were advertisements for them in some of the old comics. But anyway, I never have, to this day, I've still never seen a copy of these with my own eyes. But supposedly some of the best-selling ones were the ones that had Rudolph in them every yep. Christmas. So I was thinking, since those are supposedly some of the most popular ones, and the ones that seemed to be the most popular when I was a kid were always the ones where Superman fought somebody, like Superman versus Spider-Man or Superman versus Muhammad Ali or Wonder Woman. Why the hell didn't they do Superman versus Rudolph? I think that would have been awesome. With his red, red kryptonite nose? That would have been even better. Yeah, and then it, it causes some weird transformation in Superman. Maybe that's why Superman turns him into Rudolph. a reindeer. He starts growing horns, <laughs> and then uh, and then Santa immediately starts berating him because I think if I've learned anything from watching uh, Christmas specials, especially Rankin Bass Christmas special, is that Santa is an asshole He's in those shows. Grumpet in that way he is. Well, yeah. well, then there's the one where it's like the history of Santa, like Santa's, you know, like Superman the movie origin story, where where he has a song where he's like, "If you sit on my lap today, a kiss and a toy is what you'll get." I mean, it's just like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait a second, Mister Kringle. That's I funny. I going... heard an old man singing that song downtown, and the police came and smacked him in the head <laughs> exactly. and took him away. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was a simpler time. <laughs> I am waiting, though. I am seriously waiting with the plethora of Christmas movies that come out every year, like on Ion and Hallmark. And believe me, I watch just about all of them. So you trying watch to Grumpy find comic Cat's book. Christmas, too? You know, I watched part of that. <laughs> I heard and... it was better than it, than it really should have been. Yeah, it was like it was like it was like better than it should have been, but it was still pretty freaking Still not awful. that good. <laughs> um but, but here's the thing is that okay to be fair I watch these things mainly to see what comic book actor is going to show up on this one and it's like sometimes I get two furs and three furs and stuff like that And but I'm really waiting for like the fanboy Christmas Carol I, 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 I really want that to happen like some crotchety comic book store owner has to go through like the screw you know the Ebenezer Scrooge life lesson you know system where you know the scared straight program that Scott mentions uh, all the time that is actually a brilliant dissertation of what a Christmas Carol is so but right. I really want to see that now so like a like a like a nerd version of it yes hmm that like, could be really interesting. HG where, where the, where, it's like the ghost where he's of taken Christmas back to past. the 70s and it's like full of Mego figures and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> we should write that for next Christmas. It's you as a little kid rolling up your comic and sticking it in your back pocket. <laughs> no! Oh, spirit. Why do you torture me so? <laughs> It's like a close-up of the spirit, like talking, and then it's and then it notices that the guy's disappeared, and he's over there about to whack the kid on the head for rolling the comic book up. Oh yeah, and then it's like standing over Scott's grave, and his kids are just like wiping their tears with his comic books, like tearing the papers <laughs> yeah, off. They're and... like, 
they're about to cremate him and they're just using the comics <laughs> rolling him up under the casket no actually we should stop joking about this I think this is a recurring nightmare for Scott as it is <laughs> yes <laughs> tiny gym shooter <laughs> No, and the ghost of Christmas past has to be O.J. Simpson from those old ads. From the comics. <laughs> keeps trying to sell him dingo boots. <laughs> before we go, before we go into this dream, put on your dingo boots. Form fitting and comfortable. Do they fit? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we've taken something as sacred at Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Done what we oh, do you, every year around Christmas. You've heard our Christmas specials from, from <laughs> yes, years <right>. ago, <laughs> right? Oh, I'm telling you, I'm hard at work. Hard at work in my little shop. Yeah, I've got to you know, get mine done because apparently I can't do it while we're recording this because nope. we're professionals, damn nope. it. Nope. Perfection <laughs> must be achieved. It's... It's Christmas time, Michael. Can you say was that, that again? Was that a good voice? Yeah, that was. I was trying going for scoldy, but yeah, Scoldy would have some condescending in it too. I'll work look, on it. Look, if I wanted to be I'll condescended it, around the holidays, I'd call my sisters. Okay. <laughs> Are you guys having a little comic book chat in there? That's nice. <laughs> you guys like I your funny it's... books. I get it. Speaking well, of liking I, our funny books. Yeah, I guess it's that it's the time for everyone's favorite segment. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. Comic. comic, comic. Everyone, dun, dun, dun. entire world, all the world's eyes and ears turn towards Chris. Because he has read a comic book. <clears throat> This time on Get Chris to Read, a goddamn superhero comic, I am going all the way back to 1969, dude, for Rick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number 15. This was the old days before Rick Fury was played by Samuel L. Jackman. We start out with Hale Hydra offering Master Assassin Bullseye $1 million to kill Rick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. They make him carry a boombox-sized tracking device so they can find out where he's going. Meanwhile, Rick Fury is getting ready for a date with his dirty hippie girlfriend and griping at Dum Dum Dugan. He talks about stinking up the bathroom, but it's unfortunately not a fart joke but bitching about her stinking cologne. He picks her up in his awesome spy car and they go to Central Park to see the godless commie band Country Joe and the Fish. They made the crowd say F-bombs at Woodstock. Bullseye tracks Rick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. through the park. Unknown to him, Hale Hydra is planning to an all-out attack on S.H.I.E.L.D. when he kills Rick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. As the band starts to play, Bullseye uses his tape recorder gun to hone in on Rick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s heartbeat. The bullet doesn't go to the heart, though, but it does find the back of Rick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s head, which works just as good. The head of Hail Hydra then calls off the attack because then he just figures out that 
this is exactly what S.H.I.E.L.D. would think they would do. Dum Dum Dugan declares that Rick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., is dead, and then shoots Bullseye in his bullseye. Case closed, and then there were no more Rick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. comics. The end. And that's it for Rick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number 15. Uh, the first thing I'd like to say is thank you for selecting a comic that was actually good, unlike last month, where I, I still wake up screaming. You, what? You didn't like Dick Dragon? <laughs> no, Dick Dragons tend to scare me. Everybody likes Dick Dragon. <laughs> I know where Scott Gardner's mind's going right now. I had that once, and man, did it chafe, I'm telling you. <laughs> The abrasions, man. That's, the abrasions. That's why I have to. That's why I have to wear like lifts in my my shoes to keep keep to prevent Dick Dragon. <laughs> Dick Dragon prevention. Oh Jesus! That's why I wear dingo boots. <laughs> I gotta say, I loved this comic. I am going to go right out and buy issue 16 just so I know what happens. All right. Good luck with that. Um, is, is this? Look, look uh, for that right exist. next to the Hulk number seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, uh, it said the last, the, the caption box, which normally would call the next issue box says, is this dot, dot, dot the end? Well, yes, it was. It was. This was this the was... last issue. See, that's funny because I thought I was making a funny joke. Because of course, well, it's still a funny joke. But... I get, yeah, but I was just like, of course, this is not the last issue. They're they're gonna resolve this page one of number sixteen. <laughs> so the negative. I, I cannot. Th I had so much fun reading this comic, and it's funny. I've been reading a lot of comics from the fifteen cent days, but they've been DC, which have their own goofy energy. Of, to themselves, it's different than this. But, man, I you know I've always known like the difference between Marvel and DC during these times. But you know I I just really haven't thought of it that much until I was reading this, and and just seeing like the different direction they were going for. But at the same time, having the same goofiness of the time period. But man, there's just an energy to the writing of this that's just so entertaining you can just tell that the people who are making this were having a riot you know they were they were just it, it, when this was new it just must have been so much fun i mean maybe it wasn't because it's it i'm i'm assuming they stopped selling it because of lack of sales or something or it was not doing well or I mean, that would be my guess, but I, I honestly, I don't know for sure. That would be my guess, though, is, you know, sales, you know, back in this, this era of comics, generally, if you're, you know, if your book got canned, it, that was the reason it just wasn't yeah. selling. I want to know, now, I do know what happens with Fury with this, because, um, you know, this was, it was just odd that, you know, he's, he's off in this and that, that was pretty much it. I mean, from whatever I've ever read, this was pretty much intended that no, nope, you, you, this was the real Nick Fury. He is dead. But then a very short time later, um, Roy Thomas brought him back in, uh, in Avengers. So that was, uh, 
that storyline with uh, uh, what do you call it? the Zodiac. It had something to do with Fury's brother and everything. I remember it being a kind of a convoluted plot and everything, but uh, but Fury does come back in this or in that book, and then this is revealed that this was an LMD. Now I'm thinking, you know, granted this is Shield and they've got all this sophisticated technology and spy gadgets and all that, but wouldn't you think, being shot in the back of the head? that this girlfriend of his would be able to tell pretty quickly a robot from a real live person being shot in the back of the head. Well, there is think. suspiciously little blood. <laughs> this is true. Suspic- yeah, suspiciously little brain spatter after, right, after yeah, his headshot. Of course, it's 1969, but still, it's right. 1969, but he's taken a bullet to the back of the head. That's pretty intense. Now, I want to know, is this the same bullseye, like like Frank Miller Daredevil bullseye? Is this the same dude? I think someone was telling me it's not the same, not the same bullseye. I mean, he gets shot f- dead in the chest. He's got pretty much... Right. He doesn't have exactly the same outfit, but I mean, he, I mean, well, he's basically the, the bullseye in the center of the chest is pretty much... That's the only, the thing. only well, thing. Well, really the style of the style of cowl is is somewhat similar, but everything else is like this dude's. I mean, he's seriously colorblind here, because the this color scheme just it doesn't work at all. Well, this this bullseye is different, at least in in the fact that he's re- relies on technology rather than the other bulls right. bullseye. But that bullseye might have been the development of that bullseye during the Frank Miller period of daredevil so that might right. be daredevil's inter or miller's interpretation of this bullseye i'm not sure but uh but this bullseye does like the that bullseye does sort of furies in his race car sports car speeding through new york city and this guy is doing a spider-man and and pursuing him on foot running across a brit and man that's pretty um that's some pretty intense aerobic exercise to keep up with a car, you know, to just track a car on foot. So maybe it, it might be the same guy. I'm suspicious that Frank Miller was a big mm. fan of this stuff because the opening page of this, the assassination of Nick Fury with the weird negative image on the side in a film frame, almost like the Kennedy assassination, and uh, then Bullseye standing with the with the shadow behind him. It's very Frank Miller Daredevil, you know, era looking uh, to the point of where I think Frank Miller actually might have bit off this opening page. I got to look through my old Daredevils, but I believe there's a Daredevil that almost has the same layout with a strip of film with a little, you know, sequential action going on in it and then and then probably Daredevil standing with the shadow behind it and the right. the lettering I, is I've, almost exactly the same. Yeah, I've seen this this trope used in comics before, so I, okay. I don't know if this is the first time it's been used or not, but I know it's been used, you know, I've seen it used elsewhere. I want to say there was a issue of Captain Marvel I was looking at not long ago that had something very similar to this. No, the who's he, the artist in this is Herb Trimpey. Herb Trimpey and uh, Dick Ayers, yeah. Very uh, obvious. It was Marvel like purposely trying to like have a Jack Kirby look to everything. 
was oh yeah i a, mean that was the house yeah that like, was the house oh, yeah, style okay. definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was like draw like jack i mean and or draw like i mean i guess the only person that really wasn't adhering to that was ditko but you know ditko was like off on his own reservation anyways yeah he kind of carved his own space in the beginning too so i guess right but but by this point he was probably not even working for dc he was probably at Carl charlton doing like question or off doing mr a or whatever ian rand inspired <laughs> fever dream he was having at that particular moment so yeah because what year is this this is 69 yeah i yeah, think he was gone by dude. that point right yeah, he was definitely yeah, because he he had he had dropped off of Spider Man. God, not was that it was in like the thirties, wasn't 67? it? Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, because that was yeah. If you if you figure Spider Man was probably a monthly title at that point, I'm thinking. So sixty three for Spider Man, yeah. So probably about sixty six, sixty seven. Yeah, so he was gone by that point. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was interesting. It's you know, it's. Uh, it's, it, it's not just a, so far off my radar. I've I've never. I don't think I've ever read a, a an issue of uh, of Shield or anything from this time. It's just one of those ones that's just one of my blind spots in comics. But uh, I'm, I'm curious. You know, I've been curious about it lately, just because of watching uh, the Shield show. I'm wondering how much stuff are they actually pulling, you know, from old comics like this. And I have seen, um. What's dude's name? The writer Friedrich. Is it Gary Friedrich? Let me flip back to the first page here. Yeah, Gary Friedrich. I've seen his name coming up quite often in uh, the credits at the end of uh, Agents of Shield. You know, they they do a little thank you thing at the end of every show for the comic uh, creators that they figure you know they've they've taken material from their comic book work and incorporated into the show. And I've seen him mentioned quite often in those credits. So. Well, it's made me curious about, you know, going back and taking a look at this stuff at some point. I just hadn't quite done it yet. It's it's so wordy, which usually annoys the hell out of me. But it's it doesn't it's not tedious. It's not like it's it it seems like they were having fun writing writing this stuff, and it has one of my my weak spots for things I love a cutaway of a secret headquarters. I always mm-hmm. love seeing cutaways of the secret headquarters. Here's all the missiles with the tubes up to the street, and here's the secret generator. At the, it's all completely. That were you gonna say something? I was about to say that, that's a generational thing, though, because mm-hmm. I don't think comic readers, uh, you know, much younger than us, are really into this thing. But I was at a Batman panel where they started talking about like the cutaways of the Batcave, and like the older section of the audience got all excited about it. And the younger section yeah. was just like, whatever. <laughs> so. Well, because they've, they've all done like playthroughs on video games in the bat cave and stuff. That was our way of, you know, that was our way of, and they've walked through the bat cave. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool guys. Your little drawings really nice there. I'm going to go hang out in the bat cave, but yeah, I love, cutaways or little dioramas you know and i always loved in the superman comics when you would see his trophy rooms or you know and and stuff like and i loved when it wasn't just even an inside i loved when it would be like a sort of a side filler thing in between like check out superman's zoo you know and 
and you, stuff like holy that. Holy shit, Country Joe and the Fish was real? Yes. Come on, all you big strong men. Uncle Sam needs your help again. They were Dirty Commie Hippie Band. They wow. Did the, I, that when I said they made people Woodstock drop the F-bomb, they that was their infamous, infamous fish chant. Give me an F. Give me a U. Give me a C. Give me a K. What's that spell? 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 No idea. Yep. That's because you ain't no hippie. And damn proud of it, too. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got at least two Country Joe and the Fish vinyl records sitting somewhere. Wow. They were most famous, I think, for writing the, 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 the anti-Vietnam song and for yeah, playing Woodstock. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's, it, 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 it's just hilarious. And I, I wonder if... Um, in the let me let me see if I can flip open the page. They actually you see the band on stage. I got I don't remember what I mean. They they literally were like these stereotype. They're like just the perfect stereotype of a hippie band. So this picture of them could totally not look like them. But they, it's got uh, lyrics. But we're gonna pull them off the stands, clean up the land. Yes, we'll have a brand new day. What it. What is more, I got the Fantastic Four and Doctor Stra- Strange to help him on his way. And I'm wondering if that's... Whatever happened to the Mills Brothers? I'm wondering, yeah, if that's that. how they, I'm wondering if that's a real song and that's why they're in here, because they name-dropped some Marvel... Well, the thing that's I mean, weird, though, is that you only get two panels of them, and one is from a distance, and then the next one, the lead singer's head's cut off. I know, they so... look like they have Yeah, they probably didn't have the likeness rights. <laughs> Except uh, for the drummer in the background who looks like a middle-aged, like, conductor. Right. Yeah. The rest of them all look like weird middle-aged. They all look middle-aged. And there's a lot of hippies. The one it's, playing guitar looks like Quasar or something is what he looks like. <laughs> and it seems like it back in, in 1969 when you drew a comic, every, every other hippie was wearing a pilgrim's hat for some reason. Right. This big long pilgrim's hat. I know that I'd never seen pictures of hippies walking around, but I guess apparently, hey, these That's guys the were living the it back then, you know. That's the thing about the counterculture or, or any 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 kind of movement that's trying to like be different from the norms of society is that their fashion is always questionable. I mean, right. yes. just uh, on a general level. I mean, it's just like I support your. Your, your right to uh, free expression, but Jesus Christ, get that pilgrim hat off your head. <laughs> <laughs> nowadays, it's, no, it's just... nowadays it's those the, those um, topiary type beards that like the hipsters. Yeah, and they they want to wear trilbies and yes, put on their girlfriend's pants and just get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was angrier than I, I wanted to put it to off be. the girlfriend's pants too. I don't know. <laughs> I really liked this book. Um, and the reason why I liked it isn't so much the story, which is fun, but I have never been a huge fan of Herb Trimpey. Yeah. It's like I hear people talk this, and every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he had a nice long run. It gave him a career. But here, it's just like when he he's like seriously aping Jack Kirby, and... 
frankly, I could just do without the dialogue altogether. Every every frame just, is like a Lichtenstein painting, mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean that 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 page fifteen. Yes. You know, watching him drop to the ground, and then those three panels where it just does a close up on her eye, followed by everyone rushing over. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. This is great. That's a great picture of a face plant too. Yeah. <laughs> So, but why is she stealing his wallet on the bottom of the page? <laughs> well, why not? He don't need it anymore. <laughs> but no, I, I think I think what really got me in was the artwork in here. And yeah, you got to like a bunch of dirty hippies, and you know, you you just know that place reeks of like body odor and patchouli, patchouli. oil. Patchouli. And, and why the hell is that? Like, what was her name? Moonstone? What? Or, or, or who was the member of the New Mutants? that uh was oh the yeah Native american yeah you see i Un- saw her too and don what was it not don star um, no that was the legion of superheroes yeah no yeah i know who you're know talking who you about mean. i can't think of her name yeah yeah but on page 18 it's just like what the hell is she doing here <laughs> right <laughs> that's her mom but no even even like the the page with uh uh, page 19 where you know they're you know dugan and the other dugan uh and the other uh shield agents are like opening fire it's this great action scene and then he shoots him right in the heart i mean it's just like whole uh, and i guess the lesson here is do not have your symbol be a bullseye you're just freaking asking for it so or at least put some armor under it or at least <laughs> don't have the bullseye be on your heart Mirage, yeah. that was her name. Mirage. She was Mirage, Daniel, yeah. Danielle Moonstar. Yeah. So no, it was just it was just great. I mean, you had a villain that was smoking through a cigarette holder. I mean I mean it's <laughs> like him and the penguin. I love where... that part where the guy's like, Oh wait, cancel the attack on Shield. <laughs> I ju- it just occurred to me. That's just what they think we would do. This great <laughs> scheme master. And then he's just like, oh, shit. Oh, wait. No, that's just what they think we'll do. I love that. I love the logic of it is just the internal logic of it is ridiculous. And it's but it's fun and energetic. I mean, this is just a very. the I, I, I like the art for the same reason you did, but it was just the whole thing was just like ridiculous but man they were they were enjoying doing it and it just i i may actually try to get earlier issues of this because if they're half as fun as this i'll i'm in i may be start specializing in the 15 cent zone maybe it's a reaction to the ultra reality of comics now that i will <laughs> get the goof back okay Okay, looking right. at pictures of Country Joe and the fish, they're actually pretty dead on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not even joking on that one. <laughs> no, they were they were literally like the. I mean, the name of the everything, every aspect of that band was walking, talking, living '60s hippie stereotype. And someone's gonna write in and say they're my favorite band. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> I'm thinking of making a podcast where um called Your Favorite Band Sucks and people just tell me what their favorite band is and I tell them why they suck. 
And I'll even do it with my own favorite bands. You know, I don't care. I can tell people why the Beatles suck. Yeah. Sorry. Just. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I stumbled across a website the other day where the guy's hypothesis is that the Beatles were never a real band. It was I just put a that bunch up. of people. Oh, you did? <laughs> I okay. I posted that well. for everybody to see. Yeah, it's great. They were not the, the, yeah, the Beatles were like, each Beatle was played by like four or five different people or something. I didn't make it to the end of his whole. Thesis. Oh, I did. <laughs> I I dropped right down the rabbit hole and went into crazy town. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> if there were five be- of each Beatles, then we could still have a reunion, right? What's holding <laughs> things up? That would be funny if, like, your mid-level manager or something was, like, George was one of, like, George number four or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now he's... What? Then you can get away with whatever you wanted to. I mean, it's just, it's not like he was the strongest personality in the band. That's true. Well, where do we go from here, fellas? I don't know. Everybody have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2TrueFreaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Suck it to me? (laughs) 